Please remain standing for the reading of God's word. The reading for today comes from Psalm 68, verses 1 through 10. I'll be reading in Danish, and the English will be on the screen. Til korlederen, en lovsang af David. Når Gud rejser sig, flygter hans fjender. Alle hans modstandere løber deres vej. Han driver dem væk, som røg driver væk af vinden. De onde går til grunden, som voks, der smelter i varmen. Men de gudfrygtige bliver glade. De råber af fryd i Guds nærhed. Syng lovsangen til Gud. Ophøj ham som ridder på skyerne. Hans navn er Yahweh. Fryd jer i hans nærhed. Gud er som en far for de faderløse. Han taler de hjælpeløse sag. Han regerer fra sin hellige trone. Han giver de hjemløse et hjem. Sætter de undertrykte i frihed og gør dem glade men de genstridige forvises til den golde ørken. Gud, dengang du gik foran dit folk, og de marcherede gennem den udstrakte ørken, der skælvede jorden af frygt, og skyerne kunne ikke holde på regnen. De rystede for Israels Gud, da han viste sin magt i Sinai. Du sendte regn i rigelig mængde. Du hjalp dit folk, da de var i nød. This is God's word. Be to God. Please be seated. Lord, thank you so much for this gathering of people. Thank you so much for those at home that have paused their lives to lean in yet again to your glory and your work in their lives and your work in the world and to be reminded again of what is true and what is beautiful and that redeeming grace that's had such a powerful impact on every life here. So Lord, help us again to hear the gospel, to rejoice in the hope that you offer us, and to have such assurance, Lord, because of what your word says today, that when you show up, redeeming things happen. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. One of the ways I've been feeling lately, and I know a lot of you feel like this, is that the losses keep piling up and we haven't been getting a lot of wins. As a culture, maybe even in our personal lives, it feels like, Uh, that you're Vikings fans all year long, essentially is what it feels like, that there's just like, when's the wind gonna come? When's the wind gonna come, right? Some of the things we've been dealing with that we've talked about before is this pandemic, a restless city and a divisive culture, but there's other things that I know have been weighing on your hearts this week. Maybe it's the earthquake that happened in Haiti, maybe it's the humanitarian crisis in Afghanistan, and that's not to mention some of the personal suffering that happens in life that has not gone away. Many of you are still dealing with the passing of loved ones, tragic health diagnosis, or a faith crisis, and it all can be overwhelming. I remember thinking about this um, in this moment this week. I was having coffee with a a friend and a pastor who ministers over on the east side of St. Paul, Faith City Church. His name is Pastor Carl. He's preached here before and we support him and he planted a church and not only planted a church but started a uh, grocery store called Storehouse Grocers that targets uh, food insecurity specifically on the east side and uh, I got to catch up with him and was curious about how some of these things have impacted his neighborhood specifically and you hear from um, 
his testimony, story after story about all these things that we have been experiencing, but it's just exceptionally worse when you're poor, when you're already struggling, and then these things that come uh, exacerbate that suffering and that struggle. He talked about the, the, the uh, rising of alcohol abuse in many of the homes as they're trying to cope with some of the suffering that they're facing and the difficulties. He talked about just practical things of how hard it was for his families to move to online learning and the you know, schools give them iPads to learn from, but they don't have reliable internet or don't have internet at all. And he's like, hey, give them 5G, like pay for that because this is making it more difficult uh, for these families. He talked about the increase of distrust for public institutions that his neighborhood is dealing with. And that gave rise to the occasion for our conversation. He is hoping to raise funds uh, to build a cultural center that his church is going to organize and be behind, partially because he has built such good social capital and relationships with the families and the people in his neighborhood that they trust him and his church and the community there, but have such a strong distrust of some of the public rec centers and public institutions there. And again, I'm just hearing these stories on top of all these things that I've already highlighted, and it's just overwhelming. Have you felt that this week, brothers and sisters? Just utterly overwhelmed with the brokenness of the world, the things that you are dealing with, and just what we're up against. And it just feels so helpless. And that's why these psalms have been such a strong word for us and our weary souls in this moment, because it reminds us of what is real and what is happening and what happens when God shows up, when God arises and comes into history and comes into our life, restoration happens. And, it, and it, it's one of those prayers that I often pray in these moments when I hear these things or see the news and I'm just crushed with creation groaning, right? That's scripture describes it. But usually the prayer that I always go back to, whether I'm being rocked by chemo personally in my own health crisis that I had a couple of years ago, or I am a uh, praying for somebody that got hit by another wave of suffering. The prayer usually is, Lord, show up. Lord, we need your presence. It needs to be felt. It needs to be tangible. It needs to be seen. And this psalm reminds us of why that is the perfect prayer for what we're experiencing right now. Psalm 68 is a celebration of God's activity in the world and in the lives of his people. And when the Lord rises up, restoration happens. And we're going to see God's triumph in this psalm. We're going to see his redemption. And we're going to see his sanctuary. So let's first start with the triumph of God in Psalm 68. Look at verses 1 through 3. May God arise. May his enemies be scattered. May his foes flee before him. May you blow them away like smoke, as wax melts before the fire. May the wicked perish before God, but may the righteous be glad and rejoice before God. And may they be happy and joyful. So a couple things happen when God gets up. God's enemies scatter and flee. There's nothing they can do about it before the power of the Lord. They are no match for him. He blows them away like smoke. Nothing to it. 
No, they can't push back on the power of the Lord. They just melt before his power like wax before a flame. But then another thing happens. We see that the righteous are glad. They rejoice when God arises. The wicked, they melt away like wax, but the righteous are happy and joyful. And there's this contrast, and it continues on into verse 6, where it talks about God's heart for the broken and the fatherless. But then it says, the rebellious live in a sun-scorched land. That's how the rebellious experience the presence of God, the triumph of God. Rebellious in that verse is literally stubborn ones. That's what it means to be rebellious. It means to be stubborn. It's a feeling that we've all had. Have you ever been stubborn or have memories of being stubborn? One of the ways I think about my own stubbornness, I know it's common in many of your lives, is think about a time that you had a fight with a close friend or a spouse, and you knew that you were supposed to initiate some reconciliation, but you're too stubborn to do it. So you just sit and you pout and you act like uh, it's the last thing you want to do. You're stubborn. You know that you need to do this. You know it would lead to reconciliation and renewal and peace in a relationship, but you're too stubborn to initiate it. That's rebellion. That's stubbornness. God offers reconciliation, but the rebellion, rebellious ones are too stubborn to seek it. From their perspective, they'd rather continue to thirst in a sun-scorched land rather than drink the healing water that God offers. This contrast continues in the next three verses, verses 4 through 6. Sing to God, sing in praise of his name, extol him who rides on the clouds. Rejoice before him, his name is the Lord, a father to the fatherless, a defender of widows is God in his holy dwelling. God sets the lonely in families He leads out the prisoners with singing, but the rebellious live in a sun-scorched land. This is another picture of his power. He is the all-powerful one who consumes his enemies, yet has deep and abiding care for the fatherless, the widow, the lonely, the prisoners, and the poor. And he highlights that in verse 10. If you're here this morning and you grew up without a dad, Or, you had a dad, but he just wasn't a good father. The good news today is that God cares about that experience that you had, and he is the better and true father you've always wanted. Are you widowed or a single parent and feeling vulnerable? God cares, and he will defend you. Are you lonely and missing out on deep relationships? God cares. And he wants to set you in a family, a community that loves you, especially the household of faith. And it's no wonder then that God's people, when we worship the Lord who shows up and has a special heart and care for the fatherless, the widow, and the lonely, and the poor, that God's people develop the same care and the same heart as he has because you become what you worship. And so here is a community, and I see this in you, brothers and sisters. Many of you care like your heavenly Father cares. You've adopted, you've donated, you've served, and you've folded people who are lonely into your lives and into your family. This is the type of congregation that looks at the news that comes out of Haiti 
and uh, Afghanistan, and your heart breaks with care because it's formed by the very care of God whom you worship each and every week. It's one of the reasons that uh, we communicated a bit this week on social media about how you can respond because it's so overwhelming, but you can donate through um, the Free Church who has partnerships in Haiti, or you can uh, um, volunteer with Arrive Minnesota who is already preparing to welcome 30-something Afghan families into our neighborhood, and we can do something about it. And we want to because we are formed by the very care of God whom we worship. We also see God's redemption in this uh, psalm. Look at verses 7 through 9 with me, 7 through 9. When you, God, went out before your people, when you marched through the wilderness, the earth shook and the heavens poured down rain. Before God, the one of Sinai, before God, the God of Israel, you gave abundant showers, O God. You refreshed your weary inheritance. The language here points back to the redemption story of Exodus where God sets free his people from uh, slavery in Egypt, rescues them, and leads them through the wilderness. And in the wilderness, God's people struggled. It was not ideal as they wandered through the wilderness. The wilderness is a place where you need provision because it's tough and things are dry and food is in scarcity. But being in the wilderness is also an opportunity, therefore, for God to show up and to provide. And he provides, in the imagery here, like a thunderstorm, raining his provision down on weary people who need to be refreshed. Uh, I was in the front porch just a couple days ago on, on one of the rare occasions this summer that it rained. I don't know if any of you were outside on Friday, but it rained just a little bit. We need, we need a lot more, but it was one of those peaceful times that it's dark, you smell rain, and you haven't smelt it uh, for a while, and you hear it hitting uh, the dry land, and I just had that moment where you're, you're thankful, because when you're experiencing a drought, when you are weary in your soul, any little bit of relief is just glorious, and it's something that brings gratitude to your heart. And there's an application here. If you are feeling a little bit bitter towards your lot in life right now, if your heart is weary, that is never an occasion to forget the blessings of God because they continue to show up even in life's darkest moments. When I was being rocked by chemo, that didn't mean I took a pause from recognizing God's blessings in my life. And although these last couple of years have been hard, weary saints, his blessings are everywhere. If you just would pray that God would open your eyes to see it, that the rain is there, the relief is there, the renewal is there. It might, might, might not be taken away all the weariness, but it's there. And you can be grateful for the friend who shows up. And you can be grateful for that moment of peace as you walk in nature. You can be grateful that you even have the gift of prayer that as you pour out your heart before the Lord, he leans forward from his heavenly throne to listen to you because he cares for you. And the other thing that we can be grateful for is the power of his word, which we see in verses 11 through 12. The Lord announces the word, and the women who proclaim it are a mighty throng. 
Kings and armies flee in haste. The women at home divide the plunder. And here we see a similar response. God is showing up. Kings and armies flee and others are blessed. But the emphasis here is on God's word and specifically how his people announce that he's coming. The word of the Lord is partly that God is coming. He is going to show up and things are going to happen. And then that's the picture. The enemies scatter and others are blessed. And I couldn't help but when I think about this image of like announcing that God is coming and enemies scattering, I just had this picture from my childhood where uh, I often uh, would go over to my grandparents' place who uh, were neighbors of ours um, and they would watch me, which is weird because I had two older brothers, but they were chumps and they weren't responsible enough to watch me. And so I often would rather go over to my grandparents' place because at least they'd make me a, a bowl of popcorn instead of trying different moves from WWF on me. Uh, so I went over there, I remember this specific evening, so those two yahoos were back at home. I was uh, down the, the road uh, with my grandparents and you could kind of see there's something going on. There's car after car after car driving up and uh, my grandfather sniffs out, we got a house party going on over there, and he got into his vehicle. Uh, it was late, I think he would rather have been in bed, and he drove over there. And I don't know exactly the details of what happened. I know enough of the details of what was going on in that uh, house to say that most of it I can't describe in church. Um, but he showed up, and I have this image of like at one point, if like somebody just saw him park and get out of the car, that they took the news back in the house like, dude, your grandpa's here, and it just went <laughs> scattered, right? And peace returned to the house. And I know that's what happened because like probably no more than 10 seconds when I saw his headlights pull into that driveway, that people just started leaving as quickly as they came. They were scattering, right? They were gone. I've seen St. Thomas parties happen in the same way, the same outcome in this neighborhood. There's something that happens when you know that, that you're, you're doing wrong and you're being rebellious, but then someone shows up to bring some peace, and you're just like, nope, I'm out. I'm out because I'm going to get in trouble. And I had this image that, again, it's just that power of a person sometimes that makes things happen. And how much more do things happen when God shows up in our world, when it's just a hot mess in our neighborhoods, in our lives, and in our city, and all over the nations, and God finally shows up, and these destructive forces just scatter. The final thing we see in this psalm is that God establishes his sanctuary, his presence. Look at verses 15 through 17. Mount Bashan, majestic mountain, Mount Bashan, rugged mountains. Why gaze in envy, you rugged mountain, at the mountain where God chooses to reign, where the Lord himself will dwell forever? The chariots of God are tens of thousands, and thousands of thousands. The Lord has come from Sinai into his sanctuary. To appreciate the verses here, you have to know that Mount Bashan was amazing. It was majestic. It was beautiful. And the hills around Jerusalem, where God's sanctuary was, were okay. They were humble, but nothing compared to Mount Bashan. It's a similar experience of, of and I'm about to offend some of you in, for, that I know are from Colorado. I uh, went there this summer, and I remember um, 
speaking to some locals, and I think the thing I said is like this area reminds me of Lutzen, and, which is in Minnesota, and they, they were about to cancel me. Um, <laughs> that's about what happened there, because it's just like they were offended, because it's like, have you looked around? Do you see how much bigger these mountains are? And they were right. They're huge. They're majestic. We hiked up one. I thought it was one of those experiences where uh, I was like, well, I can see the top of this thing, and you hiked to the top of that, and there was like four or five more layers that you still needed to climb, and they are right. They're a, a little bit more fancy than Lutzen in uh, the mountains of Colorado. They're a little bit more big. They're a little more majestic. Uh, but it's one of those things that that's the image here. It's, it's as, as if the mountain range of Colorado, the ski resorts and all that area, look to Lutzen with envy, which would be, if you're from Colorado, that's crazy. Why would they be envious of those hills? Why would Mount Bashan be envious of the hills of Jerusalem? And it has everything to do with who is there. If God resides in those humble hills, then his glory outweighs any majesty that a mountain can bring, no matter how high it is. And I even think about this moment here, that what is happening when the church gathers, no matter where it is, this humble gathering of believers, this ordinary thing that we do, we show up, we gather in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, and God's presence is here in a tangible way. And when that happens, this type of gathering that happens all over the globe is something that Mount Everest would be envious of, of the glory and the majesty among God's people because he shows up in our hearts and in our lives. Look at verses 18 through 21. When you ascend on high, you took many captives. You received gifts from people, even from the rebellious, that you, Lord God, might dwell there. Praise to the Lord, to God our Savior, who daily bears our burdens. Our God is a God who saves. From the sovereign Lord comes escape from death. Surely God will crush the heads of his enemies the hairy crowns of those who go, down, go on in their sins. And here again is a picture of a returning king. And when the king returns, his presence bears burdens, saves us from death, and crushes our enemies. When I was researching this sermon, one of the best quotes I stumbled on was from Baptist preacher Charles Spurgeon, where he connects these themes to the gospel and the Lord Jesus. He says, quote, The Lord Jesus destroys his foes with their own weapons. Watch how he does it. He destroys his foes with their own weapons. He puts death to death, entombs the grave, and leads captivity captive. And that's what you have in these verses. He turns their own power against them. Their own weapons are used to defeat the enemies. And we see that in the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ because when the Lord rises, restoration happens. When that tomb opened up and Jesus raised from the dead, restoration happened and it continues to happen in this moment. That's what 1 Peter 1, 3 through 6 gives us is that hope, that resurrection hope. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade. This inheritance, brothers and sisters, this 
inheritance is kept in heaven for you, who through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming of salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. In all this you greatly rejoice, though now, for a little while, you have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. Brothers and sisters, you are suffering grief in all kinds of trials. But remember, remember the gospel. Jesus raised from the dead, and when God rises up, restoration happens, and you can bank your life on that. It's what you need right now if it feels like things are just chaotic, and how do you bring this together, and how, we, how do we as a society come together, and how can my, just my broken heart be healed? What can I hang my hat on? And remind yourselves today, preach to yourselves today, brothers and sisters, that God raised his son from the dead. And when God rises up, restoration happens. We know that it happens. Death is put to death. Sin is nailed to the cross. And he offers you peace and forgiveness and deep kindness forever and ever and ever. And though we, re- we suffer for a little while, Right now, we can still rejoice. And that is why my prayer always is in these hard moments, God, just show up. Just like, will the weary saints just feel your restorative presence? Just this, uh, yesterday, I was praying in my house with some good, good, good friends, and her uh, dad uh, passed out while he drove and had to go to the ER, and they found out that he has a massive cancerous tumor in his brain. And we prayed on top of everything else, right? And that was the prayer. God, just show up again. I don't know how to get people out of this pain and this mess, but all I know with all my heart is if God shows up, restoration happens. And that is why the psalm ends with these words. Proclaim the power of God whose majesty is over Israel, his people, whose power is in the heavens. You, God, are awesome in your sanctuary. The God of Israel gives power and strength to his people. Praise be to God, and praise be to God, because when he rises up, restoration happens.